0: What up, all you beautiful Misfits and Rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 225 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Camille and Jason Cunningham. They are a couple who has moved their family to Bucerias, Mexico from San Diego, California. And we went into the details of why they did it, how they did it, and how life is going for them and their two young daughters. It was super inspirational, exciting to hear what's going on with them and how they've been maintaining this lifestyle for themselves. I mean, in the end of the episode, Camille really does such a good job of articulating how the connection she's made with her children is so valuable and something she could not have done while living in the States. The whole transition down there, the amount of time now that she has to work has been instrumental in just her now being able to cultivate this really powerful relationship with her two daughters that she wouldn't have been able to do having the nine to five back in the states which is what makes this episode so cool is you really just hear from two parents perspectives the unique opportunity this lifestyle is offering them in the development of their daughters as you hear me articulate like you can just see how switched on these two little girls are i'm sure that they were Switched on while living in California, but you can really see the experience that they're having in Mexico is making so many positive shifts occur within their lives as they are encountering new experiences every day when it comes to learning languages and making new friends and the adventures that they share as a family. It's really beautiful and really powerful. And thank you both so much for coming on and sharing your story so transparently and openly. I have no doubt that somebody listening right now, like myself, is getting super inspired and maybe going to take that step as well and move their whole family to a place like Mexico or someplace else that they might have been dreaming about for years. So thank you again for joining me. And folks, if you want to check out Camille's Instagram and kind of get a feeling for what life is like for them, I've put her Instagram in the show notes, but it's Cam Cunning. On Instagram, C-A-M-C-U-N-N-I-N-G. I have no doubt that you'll definitely get a lot of inspiration from seeing how this beautiful couple is raising their family in Mexico. And just real quickly, I would love to jump on a phone call with anybody listening. If you feel in any way that what I'm doing is helpful to you in your lifestyle, in finding what you're meant to do in your life. I'd love to hear from you, and not just to hear about what you like about misfits and rejects, but maybe I can help with something that you're curious about, or questions that you know I've not been doing a good job of answering through the interviews that I do. Maybe you have a specific question burning for me that you'd like to reach out and ask. Like, by all means, I'd love to hear from you, and you can do that via email, or we can even jump on a Skype or Zoom call. I'm more than happy to get to know you get to know what's going on in your life, get to know the things that you might need a little help with that I might have experience with. And it would be awesome to help you sort it out if I can. If I can add value in any way, shape, or form to you, your life, your life situation, I'm more than happy to do that. And just want to let you know that I'm inviting you to reach out to me via email, chapin at misfitsandrejects.com where we can either correspond via email or we could jump on a Zoom or Skype call and get to know each other face-to-face. I would love that more than anything. Because as I move forward with Misfits and Rejects, as you've heard, I'm trying to grow it in a way that's positive and impactful for you, the listener, that's delivering value, that's actually going to help you change your life in a positive way, that's going to help you get the lifestyle that you've always dreamed of. That's my number one goal, and it helps me out if I get to know you. So by all means... If you're listening to this and you want to ask me anything or jump on a call, please do. I'm looking forward to hearing from you again. Chapin at MisfitsAndRejects.com. And we can set up a time to chat or we can just correspond via email. You can also do that via Instagram as well. DM me at MisfitsAndRejects on Instagram. I will get back to you and look forward to hearing from you. So with that said, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Camille and Jason, a beautiful couple raising their beautiful two daughters down in Bucerias, Mexico. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America.
1: With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. And quit the limiting stories. Really try to
2: overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in
1: the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it.
0: Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today we are joined by Camille and Jason Cunningham, sitting in Bucerias, Mexico. Guys, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having us. We're so excited.
0: It's a pleasure. And I'd like to tell the audience how much of a pleasure it was to get to hang with you when I was just recently down there and how welcoming you and your whole crew was to me and just how impressed I was with the lifestyle you guys have designed for yourself and the way you're raising your kids. I mean, your two daughters are just so switched on and it's just another testament to how influential this type of lifestyle can be. On kids, you guys, and in so many positive, like, mind-expanding ways. So hats off to you guys. You're doing a great job.
1: Thanks. So much, thank you. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, it's really fun to travel the world, meet families doing what you're doing, and then seeing the sort of... The changes, I mean, I got to spend some time with you guys, so I got to see, like, not big changes, but, you know, little things occurring, like, personality starting to grow and confidence starting to, you know, shine through in the, the various personalities of your kids, and I'm just always such an advocate for what you guys are doing, and it's hard for me to relate that to other people who are specifically in America, which is kind of why you're here today, to talk about your experience in Mexico, why you're doing it, you know, what what the five-year plan is, 10-year plan, or or how it's been going. But before we do that, maybe, Camille, you can kind of talk a little bit about where you both are from.
2: Yeah. So Jason and I actually came from the same hometown. We're from Oceanside. Well, originally San Marcos, California, and that's North County, San Diego. Um, but we're, we were from Oceanside, and that's where our children were born. That's where we moved from. That's where our house is so technically we're still tied to Oceanside and we moved here almost two years ago
1: it's been about 18 months yeah yeah
0: it's funny with uh, the specific months that Jason just cited because a lot of people when they do this you are measured by the time spent in these places by your peers And so getting down to the month or the week is like a big fucking deal when it comes to like who you're, who you're around. Like you kind of bite your tongue sometimes when you're sitting next to a family who's been here like 19 months You're like, whoa, 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 slow your roll. bro! Like you haven't been here two years. So yeah. And
2: I feel like two years is that, that breaking point where it's like, okay, like you live here.
1: Yeah. You're, you're permanent
2: now. Yeah. You're, You're creating community here.
0: Yeah, I had a good conversation with Satya, Jason, after you left when we traveled down to Pasquales, who talked about the different chunks of time that kind of are measuring sticks for a lot of expats around the world. And him and I both kind of agreed. You got the two to three year, then you got the five year, then you got the 10 year. And one the 10 year is kind of where I left Nicaragua and haven't really been back sense and he talks about that being another marker of those who are really committed to this lifestyle versus those who like got the 10-year taste and now they're like going back to civilization being there now two years what have what has been sort of your overall feeling is it getting better is it the same like how are you feeling about it
1: um so for for the first part i'd say for the first 12 months i was convinced that we were Probably going back after twenty four or thirty six months, you know, two or three years. Um, but at this point, I'm convinced that this is that this is home. Not necessarily this location, but this lifestyle will continue to be our kind of mo. I guess you know, and, it, and we'll continue to grow it. And if if it's not here in uh, Bucareas or San Pancho or any of the surrounding areas, it's going to be another country whether it be another spanish-speaking country or or europe when the world opens again or australia or it, it, we're gonna move on to someplace else um i don't i don't think the united states um is as enticing as it was um two years ago for us when we moved here i think uh it sort of held a little bit of fear over me for a little while not so much anymore and now they've been here for 18 months
0: fear can you talk about the fear you're describing you're talking about moving the family to mexico fear or the fear of moving back to the states
1: um yeah like uh moving moving out of the united states you know it's it's where you grow up it's what you know it's what's really comfortable to you and and you, it's just like simple things you know how to navigate things like the dmv You know how to get life insurance or or, uh, health insurance. You know how to get a driver's license. You know how to buy a vehicle. And those very simple things that you grow up learning how to do, like they they all change into, to to come and do that as an adult. It's like, how do you navigate a family through that not knowing how to do that? So those, those are where like a little bit of the fears come from. Those are like the very small life things that, you need to do, but are a little bit scary because you don't know how to.
2: Which I don't think would be so scary if it was just the two of us. No, because you've you've lived abroad when you were in the military. You lived in you know Iraq and Germany for a couple of years, so it's not a completely foreign idea. But the fact that we have two little kids depending on us to you know keep our shit together yeah a a lot of pressure
1: just small logistical things well those can be big logistical things but those logistical things are what create the fears
0: as a couple how did these conversations start when a when you started to initially talk about maybe taking the family out of that comfort zone what were those conversations like how were they initiated and maybe just give us some insight into that that conversation process that you guys were having, obviously, prior to making that final decision to make that move.
1: Well, I think both of us are going to have two different insights about that. And I'll let Camille start.
2: Well, the education piece was... The most important part. We, we didn't want a lapse in education. You know, I got, I got connected in, um, a world schooling group. And so I met a lot of families that were either world schooling, homeschooling or unschooling. And so learning all those different, um, options that were available, we looked into maybe integrating them into the local school system. Um, we thought, oh, maybe that might be too shocking for them, but they were actually the Big driving force to make the leap because we just saw the shift happening in the United States. And I just looked at Jason. And I said, we have two girls. No effing way. <laughs> you know, I think Penny was our oldest is eight. She, and she was asking why she doesn't have an iPhone because so and so and so and so and so and so at school has an iPhone. I'm like, cause you're freaking eight. You don't need an iPhone. And I just saw the writing on the wall and. And I told Jason, we need to get our kids out of here. They're not learning what they need to learn. They're not getting any value from from living here. We would go and travel. We traveled a lot. And we would always bring our children. And they've been all over. They've been to Sri Lanka, they've been to Taiwan, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, like they've been everywhere we've been.
1: But that that was more of like a vacation situation. We never stayed more than like two weeks. So we we got to visit a lot of places um, and we learned a lot from those visits, but it was never, you know, you never got to quite immerse yourself into the culture, yeah,
2: like the fabric of the community, the local community. And that, that was what we were looking out for. We wanted to ingrain ourselves in the local community. We wanted our girls to adopt the local values.
0: It seems like values are important to you. And, and obviously in, Different parts of America and different parts of the world values differ quite a bit. So maybe define the values that you're seeking to raise your kids with for the audience.
2: Yeah. So we and we run into this a lot. And they always they ask, you know, why why are these people allowed to do certain things or watch certain things or wear certain things? And and my default is different family, different values. Um, we're pretty conservative for the most part, but we like to give them a long a long leash just to experience new experiences, make their own mistakes. Uh, you know, I let my kids be bored. I let them, I let them be upset for a little bit.
1: So as far as, as far as values go, um, I, I think there's, I think there's a lot of stories we could tell. Tell. I mean, the one was, I mean, one really big one for me was we, we were both really busy with our careers and stuff. And, um. basically the we sort of felt like the public school system was failing us in a lot of ways and not teaching our kids sort of the way we wanted them to be taught and they were coming home with like basically kind of bullshit values in my opinion
2: <laughs> yeah uh, so for instance Reagan our younger daughter um, we had issues with her public school teachers because they deemed her as problem child. Because instead of going out to play recess, she would rather sit inside and practice math and write in her little journal or draw. And the teacher saw it as a problem, like, oh, she doesn't have any friends. And at the time, I think she was only in kindergarten. And I said, well, this is the time she should be learning how to make friends. So maybe as her teacher. We can kind of support her in that and teach her how to make friends and how to cultivate these relationships. But um, it just she was not getting the support that she needed.
1: So, like, kind of long story short, like it was just kind of a breakdown in the public school system, and then a lot of the just the kids in the neighborhood at the same time were they they were just different
2: importance on the wrong things. You know, you have girls trying to make. At the time, it was like Snapchat, so trying to do Snapchat videos and, you know, trying to get YouTube famous, and and I'm looking at my seven- and eight-year-old thinking, oh, hell no, yeah, <laughs> this is not happening.
0: Do you think taking them out of that environment is hurting them in any way in the sense that they are not sort of getting the technical skills, if you will? that like their peers are getting. Cause that's what happened to me. Like being in Nicaragua for so long, I wasn't on any of the apps and like coming back, I just felt like I was lost with everyone doing those things. And mm-hmm. do you think they're going to miss out on that? Or do you think they'll just adjust because they already have a nice foundation?
2: I don't think they're missing out on it because um, we homeschool and their curriculum is online based. So they can navigate. They have each have their own little Chromebooks and they can navigate a computer quite well They, um, I work in digital marketing and so they watch me work and I, I kind of, well, they'll ask me questions and I'll, I'll kind of teach them what I know and in a very rudimentary way so a child can understand. But so it's still like very much in their world. And that was, that was something that we were aware of. Like, I don't want to have the weird homeschooled children who like, Believe that God created the Remington rifle to kill the dinosaurs. You know, like I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want like the weird homeschooled kids. So they're
1: so they they are getting uh, they are getting acclimated with all. I wouldn't say all, um, but a lot of the same technology and apps and and stuff. They're they're still getting a lot of those same opportunities because. Like within the homeschool community that we've found, there is, uh, I mean, uh, actually more opportunities um, yeah, because like, we're forced to seek those opportunities. There's more opportunities than were provided by like the public school system Yeah, where we were.
2: We're able to tailor make their curriculum based on their own interests. And And you know the girls, they have completely different interests. Like they're two different kids.
0: Yeah. No, they're just, yeah, they're so cool. And, and the way they operate in social situations where I think children of their age would struggle. And it's something I do see a lot in in places where parents have uprooted and, and taken their kids. They These kids just flourish socially. I mean, they, they speak in a vernacular that's like, an adult talking to another adult. It's so interesting to watch and it's consistent around the world, like being in India and meeting like these families from Switzerland and Germany and their kids are just so switched on like yours. It's so cool.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. They're super aware and they're just, they're freaking badass kids. They're just, they're fun. They're our little homies. They go everywhere with us. They go on all of our surf trips and you know, it's funny. One of them was telling Jason we were having breakfast. And they're like, Dad, we need to go on another surf roadie. It's been a while. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you share the love of surfing as a family, it sounds like.
2: Yeah,
1: um, at least at least the love of the beach and the ocean and the outdoors, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. How are you guys surviving as far as, you know, keeping food on the table? It's, it's not easy for a lot of people in general, including myself, to to make a living on the road, especially – In places like Mexico, so I think a lot of the audience would love to learn more about like how you sustain a family of four.
2: Yeah, it's funny. It's like kind of um, the process started about three years ago. I'm actually I'm a nurse by trade. I've been a nurse for about 14 years. I I was um, head of operations for a multi million dollar healthcare company, and I was working late one night checking my emails. And um, one of those uh, business coach influencer types like a Marie Forleo type uh, was sent out uh, to her email list, oh, we're hiring. And I was just deleting my my emails. I'm like, well, let's just apply as a joke. Let's just see what happens. And I answered all the questions like it was a joke, like all the business questions I answered appropriately. But you know, the personality questions, I remember the one I distinctly remember that I like laughed at myself for writing was the arbitrary, why should we hire you? And I said, because my snack selection is unparalleled, you know, and I, and I just like made a complete joke out of the entire application. And two weeks later, I got, um, I got a call <laughs> for an interview. And I'm like, what? Are you sure? <laughs> They're probably just wanted to meet the girl and like laugh at me. Um, But it was the reason why I applied is because it was a remote job. It was 100% remote. It was a marketing uh, manager position and it was completely remote. And that was what I was looking for.
1: Which was like a 100% remote job for both her and I at the time was a completely foreign thing. Both of us were really, really used to more than a nine to five. Oh, yeah. More more like a seven to seven type gig where you like call in in the morning and you're not done till they say you're done type.
2: Well, I was on call 24 hours a day. So I often got calls at 11 o'clock at night because, you know, yeah. so-and-so's mom who's on hospice is dying and I need to get out there or whatever.
1: So the fact that you even applied was...
2: It was a reach. And <laughs> yeah, it was
1: for reach. Yeah, it was pretty. This cool, was though. like
2: three, four years ago. So the 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 thought of working remotely wasn't as common as it is now. You know, during COVID. But that was that what that's what got the ball rolling. Like, okay, if we get if I'm able to get this remote job, that means we can live anywhere. And that's what was that driving force. Like, I I need to find work that I can do anywhere.
0: I love it yeah that's that's a great point that kind of um inception point that point where it's like it actually seems feasible um and you're making American money in a place like Mexico kind of takes your life standard to a whole new level, and then Jason being a nine to five guy too, like what were you thinking i mean you were you're hustling
1: well uh yeah gosh it it's it's sort of a long story for me uh I I knew I didn't want to be doing what I was doing, but I was I was finding success at it to be honest. And um I worked for I worked for a really good company at the time. However, I saw my my the path that I was on becoming further away from what I actually wanted out of life. Like I always knew I wanted to travel. I always knew I wanted to live again in a in a different country. Um, language, learning a foreign language again, and studying a foreign language was something that was important to me. Um, so, after, you know, about four years of being at this company, I, I i honestly started to, like, I think some of my behavior started to become a little erratic and, and strange, and, like, I started to become, like, really sarcastic, and um, I oftentimes felt even though I was seeing uh, conventional success, I was um, I was still finding myself personally in a very frustrated and um, sort of ungrateful space. And I could, com- I, I completely realized the ungratefulness and the frustration. I was like, no, I shouldn't feel this way, uh, which created more frustration. And it, it, it just, and then, and then with the school thing with the kids, and then like everything just started it's unfolding. And then, like honestly, the choice was sort of made for me at, at some point. When,
2: um, well, I remember we were we were talking late at night after the kids had gone to bed, and you were just torn, like vacillating back and forth, of what to do. And and I told you, like, you need you need to leave because. Your brain knows what it's doing and your brain is saying, yes, you should stay. This is, you make really good money. You're very successful. You're very well liked. Look at this beautiful light that we've built in Southern California. We live 10 minutes from the beach. This is where we grew grew up. We know everybody, but your heart was telling you something else. And I told you the brain, the body, the human body can survive without the brain, but it cannot survive without the heart. So if you're doing something that your heart is not into, you're not gonna make it.
1: The the real bottom line is it, it it just came down to being like not a lot of fun ever. <laughs> <laughs> like
2: you were not a lot of fun at that point.
1: <laughs> and and I was not a lot of fun, and I wasn't being very fun for my family. There was there was a lot a lot of stress and a lot of like oh uh, you know that 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 typical story of like oh dad's walking through the door, everybody watch out type stuff. And
2: it's like that scene from the Wonder Years. When Kevin Arnold's dad comes home, you're like, Ew.
1: Also, even a lot of our friends and peers were referring to me as like salty and like, yeah. like, oh man, you're always kind of upset. And I'm like, dude, I'm not any of those things. Not really, but maybe I really am right now.
0: Do you think you could have done it without Camille kind of pushing you in that direction and encouraging and supporting you?
1: Um, not in the way that it is now. Yeah, I could have come I could have gone anywhere I wanted. Yeah, I could I could be off in Bali right now living in in a, a, a $10 a night, hostile situation and getting wasted every night and getting barreled and, you know, having, you know, that type of a life. But um, that is sustainable for many people and more power to the people that can hang with that. But I, I don't think that would have uh, suited me at all. I'm, I'm very grateful to have uh, a wife and the, the, the family situation that I have for sure. It's made, made everything like much more pleasant and desirable and like worth, worth doing. And then to, and then to pass this on to two little ones and not just think in like a local like a, like a city county state of california perspective but now they're thinking globally like my kids are talking about going to college in australia or, or going to college in london or italy or or, or like and like the, the thought of them learning a foreign language to go to college somewhere is like not even a barrier they're like I'll go to college in italy I might have to learn italian but no big deal
0: that's a huge mental barrier that i think a lot of my peers that i've grown up around don't have in their schema you know, it's like that nonchalance of having that experience. It's, there's still a lot of fear around it. I mean, and going back to what we just kind of touched upon, which is where you felt stuck, Jason, and then try, knowing that something needed to shift is a situation that a lot of people are in, in America, around the world. And, and making that shift and making that move is the hardest step for everybody. And I think you guys have done a good job of articulating, like, kind of how you did it. And it seems like the support system that you have for each other is huge. Because as you said, like, you know, getting fucked up in Bali every night's a lifestyle, but it's not necessarily where you want to be or what's going to be healthiest for you as you progress as a human being moving forward. And I see that in myself too. Like, you guys asked me pre-show, like, when are you coming back to Mexico? And it's like, I have every intention of getting their back, getting back there asap, but. I also need to be able to move forward and grow as a human. And like sitting at Pisqually's in like that little hotel across the street from Sacha's place is not ideal. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) it's fun, don't get me wrong. And I plan on doing that for like a month or two, but like I can't make that my lifestyle anymore because that's been my lifestyle for a long time. I need to move forward, make money. And Jason, you kind of stumbled into a really cool niche, which I'd love to touch upon if you're comfortable. If you're not, that's totally cool too. But I mean, You've been there 18 months and Camille's kind of been, as I understand, and correct correct if I'm wrong, but, you know, like the breadwinner for the time that you've been there since she had a remote job and you found yourself a remote job as well, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I, I did. And, um, I, I was really lucky. I had, um, you know, two or three really cool friends that were doing the same thing and, um, they're, they're really enjoying it. Like they're able to make a living at it. Um, it's a hundred percent online and
0: can we say what it is i I know it's like a a competitive niche so i don't know if you want to you don't have to it's okay
1: no so i I do i do closed captioning for the deaf and and hard of hearing and um it's been it's been really valuable and it's, it's put me into a space where i have an opportunity to help people and um it's given me an opportunity to work online as well um yeah no it's been good
0: yeah, it's. A, I mean, even myself because I have a, a beautiful support network as well, trying to help me find remote work. And sometimes, just like it's, I I have this old way of thinking that undermines my progression in a lot of ways. Um, and I've been really working that recently. Like that was a big thing that came up for me recently. Is like this this kind of default mind chatter that kind of comes up in the background, undermines so much of what I do in my life. It's like it needs to like stop, and I need to. Move, move past that. I think, as I think many people do, when, when we're all trying to progress in life and move forward and become the the ideal self that we know that we can become, it's like get rid of all that bullshit talk that we tell ourselves. You know.
2: Well, people don't like it when you change, <laughs> and we got a lot of that too. Both of our parents were like, "Why are you, why you both have really great jobs? What are you doing?" And they just couldn't they couldn't understand it.
0: Well, yeah, Camille, maybe you can touch upon that. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, being Filipino and coming from a culture where, you know, I don't know if your parents emigrated from the Philippines for you guys to give you the better life, and then you guys bail and go to, like, another, like, I don't
1: <laughs> <laughs> <With> that, <laughs> an emphasis on the bail. <laughs> Bye.
2: No, that's legitimately what happened. So, I mean, um, when I was two, in the 80s, there was this huge influx of uh, Filipino nurses, the United States and my mom got a contract. So she left me when I was just like a few months old. I wanna say I was six or eight months old when she left me for two years to do her contract in New York. And then after that two year contract, she was able to get visas for my brother and my dad and I. And so we immigrated to the United States when I was four and it was, you know, we were poor. My dad had a, an accounting degree and he worked as a drug rep uh, for Johnson & Johnson in the Philippines. But obviously in the United States, he has an accent. He looks different. He couldn't, he couldn't get a job. It was hard for him to find a job. So we, we grew up poor and um, just from pure grit, grit. And they, they were able to give us a pretty pretty nice life in Southern California. My mom was a registered nurse. My dad worked his way up in the hotel business and became regional director for Marriott hotels. And, you know, we lived, we lived a nice life in Southern California, but I just, I always felt like there was something missing. Kind of like Jason, like my heart just was not in it. And so we told them, yeah, we're, we're leaving. <laughs> we're going to rent out our house in California, sell out, sell all of my beautiful pottery barn and. All of my prizes from my long romantic walks in Target. I'm selling it all for a dollar. <laughs> and we're going to pack everything up and move down to Mexico. And they just could not understand. My dad actually said, we worked so hard to get you here. Why are you leaving?
0: <laughs> Ooh, how'd that make you feel?
2: Uh, I mean, I'm the middle child, so I'm kind of used to it. I'm kind of used to like doing my own thing. And so... Um, I didn't really pay too much mind to it. And, um, actually my parents came to our valerinal, um, this past December in Tulum and my, my dad at dinner looked at us and was like, I get it. I totally get it now. And that was like this, like the affirmation that I've, I've always wanted. Right. As an adult, you're like, I told you, I know what I'm doing.
0: (laughs) Jason and you, your parents,
1: um, so my parents, you know, with with a lot of the of what has been happening over the last several decades in California, I and mean, my parents were like, because my we're we're born and bred in California, all of us. My my dad was born and raised in Santa Cruz, uh, moved us down to San Diego area. Um, we're like local native Californians. Um, but California's changed a lot and it's not like a super easy place to live. It, it, it's the land of competition. Things are very expensive. Um, trying to raise a family there is really challenging. Um, and my dad was, my dad told me, Hey, I totally get it, but I wish you weren't moving out of the country. It like go to the East coast, do something like that. Um, but I just said, you know what? And I told my mom, and my dad, like I actually, um, I congratulated them both. I said, "Your son's living his dream. You have one child, at, at least one that has is recognizing his dream. So take that for what it's worth. But you've you've accomplished um, one child to act to uh, realize their dream as a human, a, as an adult. So I I've, I've want it was some yeah it was something I wanted for a very long time, and we finally made it happen. And I was like, dream realized one child." out of four or maybe maybe there's the three others too that have have accomplished that I was like I just congratulated them congratulations dream realized
0: what a great way to flip it on him Um, (laughs) that's beautiful because my dad did has always been supportive but he apologizes for the most the strangest things like I'm sorry I didn't you know give you the gift of like being a superb entrepreneur that makes tons of money like I was like, dad, like this actually happened last month. He's like, he said that I was like, dad, you gave me the foundation to like be free. Like I have the foundation of an ability to like go live abroad and like be a good human being and survive in many different lo- locations around the world. And I think that's such a testament to you as a parent, you know, giving me the strength to like make the life that I have as a 41 year old man. And like, yeah, I'm not rich, but that's okay. I'm still striving. <laughs> you know, I'm still hungry for it. <laughs> Well, but to but to
1: to to make a living, and then when something happens, pivot, and then like I want this, and then you go for it, and then you get it, and
2: it's resilience,
1: yeah, resilience, and creating goals and getting them, and yeah, just being resilient, hundred percent,
2: great, yeah.
0: yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the dangers of Mexico, as everyone is is so afraid of Mexico and the the, the stigma and the media and the. The, I don't want I don't. I hate calling it hype because it's not fair. Because there's definitely dangerous aspects to Mexico, and but you guys live in a hot zone. Jalisco, the state of Mexico, is part of the has cartels, correct?
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's funny. Like there'll be uh, traffic, and I'll I'll look it up on the Vallarta news, and it's like, oh yeah, someone got executed down by the mega that's why there was traffic backed all the way up to our house so you know? and
1: just and just to put things in perspectives the the perspective the, the mega is a grocery store oh, sorry. Ten, 10 minutes from our house and somebody got whacked recently um cartel guy but like it was pretty clean and isolated um and, and sort of people be like, Oh my gosh. So it does happen. Yeah. Yes, it does. But also like my defense to that is like,
2: you can be grocery shopping in Colorado and someone who's having a bad day can there, get you too.
1: There certainly has been a lot of trouble in the United States, um, with, with shootings and guns. And not that I'm trying to put any political statement about being anti gun or anything like that, but. Um, that there's, there's issues wherever you go. Um,
2: but day to day living, I feel pretty darn safe. I mean, I wouldn't have brought my children down here if I didn't feel safe.
1: So, and that's, and that's another thing. Um, our children actually have a longer leash down here than they did in California. Yeah. And that's, that's no shit. We, we give them a longer leash here than they had in California.
0: Why? I mean, obviously it's because you, you know, it's a safe place, but like why, what about the community that you're in makes you feel like that leash is justified?
2: I think it's just that it's an actual community. People care about you. They look, they look out for you. They're aware of you and you're aware of them. And there's more emphasis on the safety of the community versus the safety of one individual out for himself.
1: Also, I think, I think people are sort of isolating themselves in the United States a lot right now. Um, like families are not commingling. There's this phenomenon of a play date instead of kids just playing. Um,
2: yeah, it's not organic. It's just, and I think you lose the authenticity of, of life. If everything is, I don't know,
1: organized, organized. And
2: yeah, it's, it's like, do you really want to play with this kid? Or is it just because mom and I want to like have a glass of wine or something? I don't know.
1: So I, I see kids being held in a, in a very high regard here. Um, lo- like your neighbor will look out for your kid. If it's lunchtime, um, oftentimes, here, your neighbor will just feed your kid.
2: Yep. We've had children <laughs> that were not our children yeah. in our house.
1: And if you're making lunch, you're just got, making lunch for all. I
2: guess I'm um, like, oh, I guess I'm I'm making six sandwiches instead of two.
1: <laughs> it sounds very simple, but those were things that were not happening in our community. People were very standoffish as far as like getting families together and kids together and just allowing play to happen.
0: It's beautiful. Yeah, I saw that in San Pancho when I was staying up with Bo and Carly where families just not know where their eight-year-old was like in a town that has like streets with cars on it and like, Oh, don't worry. Like they're probably somewhere safe. Like it was, it was really different from what I've ever experienced in America. You know, and I'm sure there's parts of America that are like that. Maybe middle America or places I haven't been where it's like that, that safe and that community orientated where you know that everyone's got an eye out for your kid, but,
1: and, and that's how we feel. And it took a little while to get used to that, but after about you know three, four, six months, you're like, you know, you're, you're you get you get comfortable with it, and it's great.
0: So, eighteen months, Mexico, you've been there that long, and you plan on staying for how much longer? Like, what does the near term look like, and maybe the long term look like?
2: Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we're, we're we we are still like considered residents of California. Like we haven't broken that tie yet. We don't exactly have, um, you know, residency or citizenship in a different country. And I think that's going to come somewhere along the line and that's what will make it really permanent. Right.
2: Yeah. Or not. I mean, the plan is there is no plan. The plan is we're just enjoying living life. The li- <laughs> the life that we've always wanted, the life that we deserve just unapologetically happy together with our family, you know, working part-time so we can create time to spend together with our children and actually enjoy these years with them. And instead of just dropping them off at school at six o'clock in the morning and picking them up at 6 PM, because mom and dad have to work for 12 hours every day to maintain that California lifestyle. And,
1: and, and by deserve, it's like, like everybody deserves that. Yes you know what I'm saying? Like, like we're, we're just trying to live life the way, you know, we, we see it should be. And like, and everybody deserves a shot at that.
2: I mean, it's. And teaching our kids how to grow in compassion and empathy. And, you know, we're very much aware of our American privilege living here and making U S dollars. Granted, yes, we only work part time. So it's, we make enough to, you know, save and, and to cover our expenses but we give back to our community quite a bit as as, as often as we can. Like during COVID we were volunteering, um, handing out dispensers every week. Um, My girlfriend and I noticed like, oh gosh, what are the women doing about (sighs) their menstrual cycle every month? Like if they can't even afford to buy this bag of rice, what are they doing to keep themselves clean and healthy? And so we we started um, fundraising. For hygiene kits for women, and we raised quite a bit of money.
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot of opportunities, and um, people need. I mean, gosh, coming coming from up north, you're able to you're able to bring a lot, and that that's the idea is to yeah. just kind of pass on what you know, what you have, and on oftentimes, just what you know oh is yeah is a lot.
2: I mean, I offer my um, digital marketing uh, services basically for free for locals. I'll I'll say I will teach you everything I know, and it's more on a barter system. Like my girlfriend who owns um, a restaurant down here, like I'll teach you what I everything I know. I'll teach you anything you want to know, and they'll say, "Well, can I hire you?" And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, you "Can't really afford me." <laughs> but let's have some drinks, buy me a drink and I will teach you everything I know. Let's meet like once a week for four weeks. To me, that's like, I'm, I'm giving what I can and not taking because there needs to be some kind of harmony. I can't just be here and take, I need to give too. So like with those hygiene kits, we, we were able to support women and uh, three pueblos in, in our town and we donated a whole bunch to um the women's prison in vallarta we donated the rest to um our neighbor who runs a women's shelter so he came and picked up the rest of them so we have we understand that we have privilege and we just try really hard to spread that around as much as we can
0: it's awesome and you see that a lot you know people recognizing that and doing their best to spread the love. And uh, that's cool that you teach them too because it's also something they can utilize, not just for their own business, but you know they have now the skill set to go online. And I mean, I don't know how prevalent it is, but like free up and Upwork and all these things that you could throw up a little profile and I mean, you can
2: exactly. offer your services
0: it, for any price.
2: So my girlfriend owns um, this sustainable swimwear brand called Hakuna Wear and she reach out to me She's like hey do you know any girls down there that would be interested in doing content creation or blogging or whatever for me and in the back of my head I'm like I could totally do that for you but I'm like oh I don't really (laughs) like stop (laughs) no because like just because you have free time do you really want to use up that free time and I ultimately said no but I connected her with two local girls down here and one of them um, local Mexican girl, and that she's just so stinking cute from San Pancho, and I was like, that would be such an amazing opportunity for her to work for this brand, learn some skills. And um, she was just in town this past week, and they were able to meet, and it was it was really it was a really neat relationship that that was able to build.
0: Can you guys uh, quickly talk since you both work part time, like talk about cost of living for a family of four? in plus like are you spending what like two grand a month for everything for everyone Was it more or less roughly
1: no it's it's more um we we had you know we've got some some bills still at home like a storage unit and, and some other things but
2: yeah we have an rv that that we rent out on consignment but some like especially during covid it wasn't getting rented out so um we have that but just for the cost of living here, though, what would you say? It is if like?
1: if you if you were able to just get rid of everything and and kind of come down here bare bones, you, you could probably a family of four could probably live two. I think two thousand dollars is the magic number, and then that's and that's to kind of. I mean, that's not like living bad. That's like a nice a nice condo, fairly close to the beach. Going out to dinner a couple evenings a week, you know, one or two nights, three nights a week. And you know, still, still putting groceries in your house and, and stuff like that. You know, you're not, you're not suffering by any means on that type of, of a budget,
0: but not saving that much either. Probably.
1: Well, no that that would be like to cover everything. You would, right. you probably you probably wouldn't be saving at all. Mm-hmm. And but but it also it, it just depends on the individual. I mean.
2: Yeah, we like to enjoy <laughs> we yeah. like to go out and have yeah, beers.
1: We, yeah, yeah, we do, and that's and that's a little bit of why we're here, you know, because we do enjoy the life, you know. And but, you know, you have a beer in the United States and it, it's nine dollars here. I mean you can go to Happy Hour Here and get a beer for a dollar. You know, <laughs> it's it's different.
2: But also it's just like your needs shift. Your wants change.
1: And that's, that's the biggest thing is your needs and your wants shift. Um,
2: And those lines become more defined because back when we were in the United States, we just thought we needed everything. You know, we would. um,
1: Or you you deserved it because you worked for 10 hours that day and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go buy a bottle of wine with dinner or something.
2: Yeah. Like I had a really rough 20 minutes at work today with my boss. I deserve this bottle of wine plus the cork fee, <laughs> you know? And so we were, the more we made in the United States, the more we spent. And it was a huge eye-opener when I was making a fraction of what I was making when I was a nurse too. and and still being able to enjoy what what we like to enjoy and still be able to save and all of those things that we thought we had have to do away with. Like I made peace with that. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be able to like scroll through Amazon late at night when Jason's asleep and I won't be able to do this surprise I still do there, it.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely like you you have to live a much more frugal lifestyle for sure. Like you you, you but but that's that's a very positive thing as you start to separate your needs and your wants.
2: And your spending becomes more intentional. Everything just becomes more intentional, and,
1: and that's your life becomes more intentional. Yeah, um, things are more planned out. Um, and it sounds really cheesy, like, but do you want to wake up in the morning and look at a beautiful sunrise and a palm tree, or do you want to
2: look at your Pottery Barn furniture? Yeah,
1: go to <laughs> go to the outlet mall on Sunday or whatever it is. You know, people do, and we used to do. Stuff like
2: this. <laughs> well, we were because we were so unhappy. We were just filling that void with stuff. It's more stuff. Yeah. It's like, have you ever seen the movie, the labyrinth? Yep. Do you remember when she falls into the, uh, the landfill and that, that lady was just like piling things on her back and was like, Oh, you want your teddy? Don't you, you need this, don't you? And it was just piling all these things on her and it just kept weighing her down to the point, where, Because she didn't want Sarah to realize, I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. I need to go find my brother. But she was trying to hold her down and keep her in that junkyard. And, and I felt like Sarah. I was like, we are getting weighed down by our junk. And Jason told me another analogy. Like, have you ever seen a bucket of crabs? Have you ever noticed, like, if one crab tries to crawl out, the rest will make a chain and pull that motherfucker down? <laughs> I was like... No. I don't want to be that crab.
0: No. Yeah, it's an analogy I've heard as well It's, it's a good one cuz that is very I think relatable for a lot of people. And unfortunately, it's also you're being pulled back by a lot of times your family. You know, the family members that you love them most.
2: Yeah. Your your obligations.
1: Well, it's 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 unknown for them too. And people that love you want the best for you and it, it's unknown for them and they they can't fathom it. So it's challenging for them
0: so Jason after you know this whole hour of speaking about your lifestyle and, and how you kind of come to where you are at can you speak to one audience member and give them some words of advice a tip a trick something that might inspire them to take that leap if they are you know say a family man out there who wants to move his family to a place like Mexico what could you say to like inspire them to make that first move
1: I should have prepared for that question <laughs> Um you know, it it sounds really, um, cliche and stuff. Um, but if you, if you already have a family and you're already working it and you're already supporting your family and doing the best that you can, like you can, you can do it again, Like you can stop what you're doing, pivot, take your family to another country and reinvent yourself. Um, obviously do your best to put whatever, um, Safeties you can in place, whether that's a certain number you need in your savings account, or get that job first, uh, whatever it looks like to you, you can like you can do it. And uh, that was that was one of my biggest biggest fears. And I I can I remember sitting around a campfire at the Carlsbad Campgrounds at, at the beach, and having this very conversation of like what your fear is and. I was like, I think I was like 34 at the time and I was doing pretty good at at work. I'd been there for a few years and, uh, and I I was starting to accumulate things and make progress in life, you know, progress in quotation marks. And my, my biggest fear was what if all of this goes away? What if I lose my job tomorrow? How do I reinvent myself? And at that point that was my biggest fear. And then then it happened and you just, I just made like, like all of us just made it happen. Our family made it happen. And obviously it, it came from the support of, of Camille and like, no, just, just if it's what you want, make a plan and and try to make it happen. Don't, don't be fearful. Like just like literally you have to try and go get what you want and also explore a few different things because what I originally wanted turned out to not be what I wanted because I wanted this whole jungle, like existence off the grid, but also like found out that that's not feasible for my children and raising them and also making a living to support them. So you just have to find what works for you. And, and you, and just the best advice is you, you can do it and I'll stop there.
0: Camille, same question. If you could speak to a wife, a mother, you know, in a family in America right now who's desiring to have the same lifestyle you do, working part-time, getting to watch your daughters, sons grow up and spend tons of time with them in a beautiful place, what could you say to them to maybe inspire them to take that first step?
2: Uh, the motto that I live my life by is something that my girlfriend Alexia told me is, leap and build your wings on your way down. You're not going to know everything. Um I have a lot of moms and, and other parents that message me on various forums. I'm a part of like, how did you do this? Where do I start? How do I get started? And I said, you just got to go. We didn't even, we've never even been to Bucharest before we moved here. We do not you know, we didn't know anybody. I, you know, and it's just, you just have to trust your instincts, trust your resilience, have a little bit of grit and the rewards just out oh, by far outweighs the the risk. I I am getting to know my daughters for the first time in both of our lives, you know, which is scary that I waited this long, and it's scary to think of how much I would have missed out on had we not done this, you know. I I I'm seeing them grow up and and just thrive in a community that otherwise they would never have had this opportunity. And it's such a gift and it's so magical. And yes, my Instagram looks like it's all rainbows and butterflies. Well, guess what? It is. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> It is magic because it life is what you make it. You want to live remotely and work remotely and surf every day and, and watch your, baby skinny dip in the ocean, then do it. You just have to be able to uh, set your ego aside. And that's what I think stops a lot of people. And that's what stopped me from leaving my corporate job for so long, because I like that six figure income, I liked having the title, I loved going to, to parties at Jason's corporate parties and being able to say, I'm a head of operations for you know, this company. And it made me feel good. It, it boosted my ego, but it was killing me inside, but I had the awareness to see that and, and have the strength to step outside of that and take that risk. And man, I'm so glad we did. I'm never going back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If I go back, it's going to be in a box.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you certainly have created a beautiful lifestyle. And like I said, your daughters are just so switched on and, and you can see the little neurons changing every single time you, you get to hang out with them out in the water, on the beach or in a social setting where they're just chatting you up as like a peer, even though, you know, you're 30 years older than them. And, you know, I just want to thank you both for coming on and joining us today. Jason, Camille, is there any place that you like the audience to come check you out, like your Instagram, Camille? or
2: Yeah, well... Yeah, that's where I have a lot of conversations with other people who want to try to do what we're doing. My handle isn't anything special. I don't brand it. I'm not monetizing it. It's just Cam Cunning on Instagram and come say hi.
0: Great. I'll put it in the show notes. Thank you guys for joining me. Appreciate you.
2: Thanks, Chapin. Chapin. Good
1: to see you, man.
0: Awesome, Jason and Camille. Thank you so much for joining me. It was such a pleasure hearing your story and getting to share it with my audience. I have no doubt that it's motivating and inspiring somebody out there listening to take that first step towards the lifestyle that they want for themselves and their family. You guys rock. I can't wait to have another surf adventure with you soon down in Mexico. Again, folks, I am looking forward to and trying to connect with anybody listening right now who... In some way, shape, or form, has a question that I can help answer, has a curiosity that I haven't been doing a good job of clearing up through the episodes that I produce, through the stories that I tell of my own life, my own lifestyle and the steps that I've been taking to cultivate that. So I'm reaching out to you and inviting you to please feel free to email me at chapin at misfits where we can either correspond via email or we can set up a time to jump on a zoom or Skype call and meet face to face. I would love to get to know you, love to get to know what aspects of your life you think I might be able to help you with. That is my goal. I would love to help add value to you and your life and get you to where you want to get to within your lifestyles or the goals that you're setting for yourself. Obviously, I might not be able to help in all aspects of your life, but if you've been following me for a while and you've heard the kind of stories that I tell about myself, or you get the gist of the type of people that I'm bringing on the podcast to hopefully inspire you, there might be something that you realize I have a lot of experience with that I can help you answer. Maybe that burning question that you've always had, or maybe just hearing in a little bit more detail about how I go about doing what I do to maintain the lifestyle that I have been able to maintain for quite some time. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. So please don't hesitate in reaching out again, chapin at misfits and rejects.com, or you can DM me on Instagram, Instagram at Misfits and Rejects. I will get back to you and looking forward to getting to know you. Thank you so much for listening and joining me in this episode. I look forward to seeing you in many more upcoming episodes as I continue to transition Misfits and Rejects into a more powerful, value-packed podcast that is really going to help you change your life in a positive. Thank you again, and I will see you in another episode very soon. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you.